Welcome to KC Corner episode 174, and I have a very important question for you. Oh my goodness. Have you, you been... have you gotten your Christmas tree yet? Yes. Got okay, it good, good. Got we didn't it have yesterday. it last week. Yes, we didn't. Got it yesterday. Brooks, we went to the same Home Depot that we've gone for the last like three years, mm-hmm. and the first two years were great. Last year was pretty weak, and mm-hmm. this year it was really bad. And so... Uh, <laughs> You know, and it's it's great because, you know, uh, I went with Katie and I went with Allie and my wife is so like, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, if it's got a bad side, we'll put it toward the wall. And I'm like, I can't get these. And so we went to Lowe's and uh, they had a shipment just come in. Okay, and, good. And so, you know, which ones do you pick? Because they don't open up a lot of them. They're still mm-hmm. wrapped in the twine, you know. Mm-hmm. So I looked at the one that was the fattest in the twine, you know. And so I'm like, that's that sucker that's the is one. Bu- busting a seam right there. <laughs> So I opened it up, and the, and the guy that was working, he's like, oh, that's a nice tree. <laughs> like, he was surprised. And, you know, when when they work there, and they're surprised that you got a good that good a tree. So, yeah, we got one. Good. And next year, I think we're, we're going to go the real tree route, hopefully. This year, we have a little tiny, like, four-foot Costco one, fake, oh, yeah. fake tree. Uh, we only have, like, nine ornaments. So gotcha. we, could, we couldn't get, like, a full size, and just it'd be bare. So. Uh, how, how many of those nine are King's Chapel ornaments? I think two, two I know of, maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> well. I love it. You know, when we got married, someone gave us as a gift uh, Christmas ornaments, which mm-hmm. was a great gift to give, you know. Yep. And so uh, yep. we, um, we've decided we're not going to do just like the generic, like, you know, buy a pack of like 10 same looking ones. Like, oh, yeah, they all, yeah. all got to mean something. Yeah, so yeah. We, we have nine very specific, very nice ornaments, including the King's Chapel one. Do you, do you buy one everywhere you go? Because, you know, when we put them on the tree, like, you know, we have Yellowstone, mm-hmm. the Tetons. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. We got, know. we got Keys. We got uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Carolina, so nice. vacations we've been on. Nice. So, yeah. Those will mean so much. Exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. you got to get one of your first year marriage of last year. So mm-hmm. I put one up on yesterday. I, we put one up that was uh, Katie and me on my honeymoon. And, you know, there's a picture of us. Mm-hmm. And again, we look like we're 12. It looks like <laughs> we should be arrested for how young we look. And uh, uh, I show it to Allie. She's like, oh, gosh, just put it on the tree. You know, <laughs> you know, seeing my parents all hugging it up on their honeymoons. Like, yeah. Uh, well, you know. well, shout out to Eric's, Eric Sexton's wife, Robin. She got us, I think it's for like a wedding gift or something, a Christmas ornament with like three pictures that um, she got just from our Instagram, I think. Oh, that's so awesome. That, that was good. That was that's good. good job, Robin. That's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's enough Christmas tree talk. But it's a nice Christmas weather, too, by the yes, way. Yes, absolutely. This is absolutely. so nice. we, we got to keep it up for Christmas Day. Yeah, Sometimes we sure. have it like 80 degrees. Oh, I know. You know, and it's been, oh, it's nice and cool. It's hot. It's mm-hmm. nice and cool. It's hot. It's so, uh, it's been crazy. we got to make it feel like home for Brendan and Katie. You yeah, know, yeah, there you go. we got to have a colder Christmas. <laughs> yeah, we did have some great weather, too. But anyway... All right, so we got We're going to cover some ground here today, my yes, man. Yes, we have we have a lot to cover today. Yeah, hey folks, uh, we're going to put your seatbelts on because we're going to get through November because we're in December. Mm-hmm. So we got to get through this this year. Yep, we're going to cover John chapter twelve and thirteen, yep. uh, which is a great way to cover, and then. We're going to wrap up the very end of, of uh, 1 John and do 2nd and 3rd John and Jude. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, ch- ch- touch base, uh, we're like somewhere Job in Job. Yep. Yeah, 14 through 22. And mm-hmm. then uh, wrap up Ezekiel and talk a little bit about Daniel. Yep. Lots Ooh, of it. We're jumping all over the Bible today. Just so stay with us. Yeah. Let's see if we're uh, up to it. You know, uh, should people be operating uh, heavy machinery no, right now? No, <laughs> definitely don't do this while you're driving. Be, have pen and paper. And Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we can start in John 12. Okay. You know, 
Brooks, you and I have talked about how the Gospel of John in a unique way gives us more depth of stories than some of the synoptic Gospels and how different the format is. And now we get to chapter 12 and all of a sudden, Brooks, from 12 to 22, for the rest of the entire book, it's all going to focus on just the last week of Jesus's life. And so everything else to this was up to that point, but now it's going to go into this like slow motion and Mm -hmm. a deeper dive, which I just love. And what it's interesting is, you know, 12, obviously connected to Lazarus in the resurrection in 11, it starts off with talking about the chief police, uh, the chief police, the chief priest planned to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus because everybody's come to know Jesus. They're like, oh my gosh, so many people are believing. Let's kill Lazarus too. Mm-hmm. You know, poor Lazarus. He's like, man, you know, <laughs> I just me, got back here. <laughs> I just got back and now you guys want to take me out? I mean, what in the world's going on? And then we have a, a, a really brief triumphal entry in, in chapter 12. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, uh, not nearly as much detail, but we have Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And one of the things I love about 12 Brooks is that it's going to say some Greeks. So obviously these are not Jews. These are Gentiles. And they seek out Philip, who has mm-hmm. kind of a Greek name maybe. But anyway, they say, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if you look at my pulpit, um, that is a plaque I put on it. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And back when I was in seminary, in the uh, chapel at seminary at RTS, that plaque was on their uh, 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 pulpit. Mm-hmm. And I just impressed upon me, every time I preach, I just want to preach Jesus. If I'm preaching anything else, I'm I'm failing. And uh, so anyway, uh, which I, I really love. But then in 12, you see Jesus is troubled and he's going to be talking about his death and mm-hmm. you know what's coming up. And then you get to chapter 13. I'm, I'm kind of rambling. You're, you're just rolling. I have one note to say yeah. in there. Yeah. It feels like in this little section that we read, the every time Jesus talks, he starts off with truly, truly. And it, it, it feels like he does it like seven or eight times in these two chapters, which is a little bit more uh, than before. And to give people a background, when, when he starts something out or when anyone starts it out in that time, truly, truly, what does that mean? Well... It means basically it's like someone saying amen, truly, truly like, hey, this is this is and I love it because good, good. good, uh, Thanks for bringing this up, because a lot of people would yell truly at the end of a a statement that was said that was true, Mm -hmm. like truly, like uh, like oftentimes when someone in church, in a lot of settings, uh, something is said that is true and someone will yell amen, Mm -hmm. you know, amen. So it's kind of like yelling amen. But Jesus saying truly, truly in the beginning Mm -hmm. is so cool because he's basically saying, I don't need your amen. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you what's true. No one else has to affirm this. This is truly, truly, I say unto you. So this is this is truth. Listen up. You know, this is this is no one else needs to uh, be able to say, oh, yeah, that is true. and, Mm -hmm. and, and, And this is this is truly, truly, I say unto you. That's a good good pickup there, good Berean. I, I love it. I love it. Now you can continue on to 13. Well, 13, you know, is, is basically one of, one of the things I love most about 13. It's it's so powerful. I mean, we're up in that upper room, and, it's, and this is all going to be what's called in the next several chapters, the upper room discourse. There's so much discourse that happens in that upper room that's so good. But early on, it says that Jesus knew, it's in verse 3, uh, Jesus knew that, that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So what does Jesus do 
when he knows that all kind of authority and power has been given to him by the Father. He came from heaven and he's going back. What is the first thing that Jesus would do with all that power and authority? I can tell you. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Here is the one who has all power and authority. Here's God in flesh and he is yet acts like a servant. Mm-hmm. He acts like a servant. He does the most menial task that you could do. He stoops down, you know, I mean, he he humbles himself. He takes off that outer garment, you know, basically seen more as a worker now than Lord and rabbi, and he washes their feet. And I love Peter's like, wait a minute. Jesus, like, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you're, you, you, you know, you should, I should be washing yours. What are you doing? And Jesus says, now listen, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you know, I have nothing to do with me. And he's like, okay, Jesus, then wash me everything, you know, and, uh, <laughs> Jesus is like, well, you're clean. That's just the feet here, Peter. And Peter obviously doesn't get it. But he says, he summarizes, says, listen, you guys call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. I am. Mm-hmm. And if I do this, you need to do this too. And so it's just a reminder, Brooks, whatever worldly power we have been given by God, whatever position of, of authority or, you know, how do we use it? And, you know, we typically use it for our own gain. We use it for our own pleasure. We use it for our own comfort. And what does Jesus do? He humbles himself mm-hmm. and he serves others. And what what a, what a beautiful reality that is. It's just, it's just absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. So we need to do it too. And, and we, we don't have this part on the board, but right after it, it's, it's a little section called a new commandment. And it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love for one another. And obviously, in, in the little notes in my Bible, that's not a new commandment, but it kind of iterates on what I think was said in Leviticus, like love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. It's love as I have loved you. It's a exactly little bit right. As I have loved you is, is the kicker. I mean, yes, it is in Leviticus, also in Deuteronomy of love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, strength, your neighbors, yourself. But so love one another is not new, but love as I have loved you, especially as I've just washed your feet, is, mm-hmm. is I'm going to lay my life down for you. I mean, it's this agape sacrificial love, uh, which which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, and, and even... Uh, right before that, he's talking about, hey, there's a betrayal. And Judas Judas gets up to betray him. And, and no one gets it. They think he's going to go pay the bill or something like that. <laughs> you know, he gets up and leaves. He's like, hey, one of you is going to betray, betray me. But, um, you know, what I love about this is, again, Peter is saying, hey, man, I'm with you. You know, I'm, I'm going to be with you to the end. And here is John's account where Jesus says, hey, before the ro- rooster crows, you're going to be denying me three times. And, man, that's that, that's just incredible so that's there's a lot going on in this upper room discourse from jesus washing the disciples feet to telling that there some one of you is going to betray me to telling simon that he's going to deny him three times there's there's a lot going on jumping back and forth here yeah and to say love one another a mm-hmm. new commandment i mean so i think that new commandment is is such a uh um you know that new commandment of, of to love one another is where we get maundy thursday and mm-hmm. that's new commandment that's a you know, because that upper room of washing feet, a lot of times a Monday, Thursday in the Holy Week service is that kind of washing feet. Uh, so that comes right from there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. well, let's move on to all the, the John epistles and Jude. How about yeah. That? So, you know, first, first John, I think we covered, I mean, first John four is this beautiful, you know, God is love. And then you get to five and, and, and first John five has got a lot of, as we chatted about, it's got mm-hmm. a lot of really interesting stuff in mm-hmm. there. You, uh, you know, it starts off, 
with just this reality of, of I think you mentioned three in the, in, in and his commandments are not burdensome for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God so you know he has overcome the world we overcome the world by faith and mm-hmm. then I love how it's going to say in verse 12 whoever has the son has life who does not have the son does not have life I mean mm-hmm. talk about a really easy indicator do you have eternal life abundant life life in christ and you know if you have jesus you know mm-hmm. that's that's the difference mm-hmm. and then there's some interesting concluding you know thoughts that he says and uh we were chatting a little bit beforehand especially mm-hmm. that sin uh you want to read that section right there in, uh, 16 if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death he shall ask and god will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death there is sin that leads to death i do not say that one should pray for that all wrongdoing is sin but there is sin that does not lead to death and that's a really confusing statement mm-hmm. i mean we know that all sin deserves death and all sins ultimately you know because death is ar- arisen because of of uh death i mm-hmm. mean i'm sorry sorry death has arisen because of sin i mm-hmm. mean that's true and it's it's just trying to figure out you know what is that really talking about i mean is that you know what sin doesn't lead to death i mean are you unrepentant uh is this the blaspheming the holy spirit are they talking about um it, it really is probably needs a deeper dive and an investigation i know you've looked into your study bible and some other notes i mean what what is that really talking about mm-hmm. but we, here's what we do know we got to repent of our sins because mm-hmm. sin, the, the, the fruit of sin is death always. But there are some sins, premeditated murder, that, that the Bible says that should be taken out by death. There are some sins that should be taken out by death. Now, does that mean a murderer can't be forgiven? No, we know that the thief on the cross was forgiven. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, we should be confessing our sins um, it's, 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 it is a bit confusing, you know, what, what, what is John really trying to communicate? And I, I don't know if I can go much farther than that. No, that was, it was interesting because Amy's Bible had a different note than mine on that, uh, first John five sixteen, and hers talked about more so as a premeditated unconfessed sin that leads to death. And then mine was more specific saying likely John is referring to the stubborn refusal of accepting the gospel. Yeah. Which is ultimately that's the, that's the unforgivable sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we just read. Previously, those who have the sun have life, those who don't, don't. And mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, but anyway, and then it leads into two really small letters, mm-hmm. uh, Second John and Third John. And, and Second John is is uh, written to the elect lady. And, mm-hmm. and, and over time, people are like, who's this elect lady? Is that a specific Christian lady that, that, that was being, ref- uh, 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 he's writing to? Or is that the church? And I, I remember in seminary, we studied that. Really just feel like it makes more sense that he's writing not just to one family household, but that that is who we are as the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are the elect lady. Mm-hmm. But I, I love it because Second John and Third John both say that he has joy to find that to find out that his children, the children, are walking in truth. And mm-hmm. as a pastor, I know that reality. And I, I love the fact that it says that he has no greater joy in Third Third John than to hear that his children are walking in truth. And there's a, again, there's no greater joy for a parent. We have four and a grandparent to hear your kids are following the Lord. Um, you know, as your grandpa always wants to check in on you and say, hey, how's Brooks doing? <laughs> you know, how's he doing? I, I, I always want to tell him he's awesome, you know, and uh, but there's no greater joy than that. 
But it's funny to me, like things like in Second John, it's so short. He goes, "Hey, listen, I got more to say, but I don't want to waste paper." <laughs> so he was the first conservative, you know, just wanted to conserve and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, didn't want to waste. <laughs> what in the world? Well, he he referenced uh, what we just talked about in uh, the Gospel of John too. Uh, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we are commanded by the Father. And he says, uh, with the new commandment, but the one we have heard from the beginning that we that we love one another, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments this is the commandment just as you've heard from the beginning yeah. so referencing exactly what he was saying that new commandment in the upper room and you know in john throughout his gospel and the letters always always wraps around love and obedience mm-hmm. you know it, we we're not loved be, because we obey but because we are loved we should obey mm-hmm. and then, well there's a really cool distinction there and a lot of people think if i obey i'll be loved and that's not the gospel the gospel is you're loved amazingly by Christ and therefore we should be holy because he's holy we mm-hmm. should obey because of what and that's that's the that's the fruit of our love I mm-hmm. mean that's the that that represents the fact that reality so really good stuff yeah um, and second third John and and Jude really you know a lot of it is reaffirming faith and kind of talking about there's going to be people in the church and in your life trying to tempt you and with different ideas and don't listen to them. Uh, Stay with the faith. It's, it's, it's so good because Jude is going to start off Jude uh, written by Jesus's brother who, you know, during his earthly life for a lot of parts, they didn't embrace Jesus, but now here's a leader in the church and he's going to remind us as Christians, we're called, we're loved and we're kept. I mean, that's a great distinction up front. And then he, he, and I got to tell you, Jude to me is one of the hardest books of the Bible. I mean, it just got some really interesting things in there. There's a lot of Old Testament imagery that we get nowhere else, like Moses' body being contended for by the archangel Michael and the devils. Like, well, what in the mm-hmm. world? And you got Enoch appearing out of nowhere. But I, what he's basically saying, as you said earlier, is, hey, contend for the faith. There's mm-hmm. some bad teachers that are coming in here. Contend for the faith. And what I, my, my favorite doxology ever is out of Jude, and I'm going to read it, Jude 24, how it ends. To him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and, without, uh, and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just love it that, that God's grace is such an amazing thing. It's going to even can keep us from stumbling and it will cause us one day to stand in his glorious presence filled with great joy. So, mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read that section right before because I loved it too. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time there will be scoffers following their ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire Mm. to Others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's like a billion things in there. There is a billion so things in there in just a little so, small paragraph. It's so good. You know, I mean, it, it, I, what I, what jumped out when you were reading it is, you know, stay faithful as we wait. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're a people in waiting. God's people have always been a people in waiting. They, mm-hmm. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel was the cry before Jesus arrived. And now we're saying, oh, come, oh, come back, come back, Emmanuel. And, you know, we patiently need to endure and love one another. It's good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you want to jump into Job? To Job. So Job, you know, we're, we're 14 through 22, I think. And, yep. and really uh, continue these cycle of speeches that, 
Job is maintaining it, you know, hey, uh, not that he's sinless, but he's blameless from what's happening. But what I love is you get to chapter 19, and it really is like, to me, the, the capstone or, <clears throat> you know, the pivot. What do you call in the book when you reach the apex? Climax. The climax. <clears throat> and it's not the climax. I guess that wouldn't be right, but it's, it really would be a turning point maybe. Mm-hmm. Where he writes, I know that my Redeemer lives. Mm-hmm. In the midst of it all, I mean, that's got to be faith. I mean, that right there. I mean, how do you lose your children, lose your health, lose everything you have lost and and, and, and endure? And he's not enduring very well. I mean, he's moaning and groaning, but, mm-hmm. but, but he knows. He mm-hmm. knows that his Redeemer lives, that he will stand on the earth and that he himself will see with his own eyes his Redeemer. And I don't know all that that looked like for Job, but that was the faith that God's going to somehow make this right. And I think as a pastor, I, I really would love for the sheep to always be reminded, you know, it might be really difficult now. Um, and it, it might be some really dark things that are happening and some incredible trials. Uh, but just if we know that Jesus lives, if we know that he has lived for us, died for us and resurrected, he lives to intercede for us. Boy, I mean, talk about... Um, a shot in the arm. Talk about the ability to, to, to endure is if we know that we have one who is greater than us, who is with us and has conquered. Mm-hmm. That, that's hope. And backing up to 23 there, starting that out, oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Well, good news for Job is they were. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, that with an <laughs> iron pen and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. That's such good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there's a there's a there's a singer who sang, and and and, and I know that my redeemer lives. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a famous song that probably came out in the nineties. Uh, it's beautiful. It's one of those tearjerkers. Right, you know? right with the the days of Elijah in that uh, time. Exactly. <laughs> it's Nicole. Something uh, who sings it, but someone, anyway. someone get that to us for something. Yeah, Nicole, something. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, all right, and you know, uh, so Job continues, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we finished up Ezekiel. We talked a lot about it last week, which we got to that really fun section that we were mm-hmm. talking about, and it ends up Job ends up with. I'm sorry, Ezekiel ends up with the rebuilding of the temple and the return of God's glory, and I think it ends up with hope that hope of. You know, rebuilding a temple is God's presence with his people. The glory is God being pleased with his people. And we know that that was an imagery that the true temple, Jesus, is going to come. And he's going to come and he's going to reveal to us the God's glory, full of uh, glory and truth. And uh, he's going to bring us home. And as we head home, uh, we love the fact that even in the new heavens and new earth, uh, at the end of the book, there is no temple because God is with his people. So (laughs) here's this imagery that, that, that Ezekiel gives us. But we know that uh, um, there's even a future hope, and that's mm-hmm. going to point toward the ultimate uh, where we're headed, mm-hmm. being Ru- with God's glory. Ruby's being a very good girl. She's getting a little anxious. We're almost done, Ruby. Yeah, yeah. We, we Ru- promise. Ru- 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 Ruby. <laughs> Ruby's up here, my our go- my golden retriever, and she's like, oh, let me out. Let me out. Um, all right, well let's let's uh, let's go to the last book, and that's and Daniel. we're we're going to cover all of Daniel here. Oh my god! And it's kind of divided up into two sections, like you're talking about the two the one through six is very vastly different than seven yeah. through twelve. Yeah, once you get into kind of the prophecy part of it, it kind of uh, turns the corner uh, pretty sharply. Um, but I love how you know Daniel they're they're exiles. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, so this whole book is written to those. 
who are who are kicked out of the promised land in exile who are living for God's glory in the midst of really, really hard times, especially Daniel, and, and who God speaks to and shows them hope for the future. Um, but in the beginning, you know, Daniel was selected with some others that had some good skills. You would have been one of those selected. Young men, strong, <laughs> able to think, able to learn, and they teach them all the, uh, the skills. And this is a smart, here's a conquering king who says, take those ones I conquered and the best ones, train them in our way so they can help us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so Daniel is is in there, and he's you know he's given some of the special food from the king's table and other things. And Daniel's like, I'm not going to eat that food that was sacrificed to pagan gods. I'm not going to do it. Will you just give me vegetables? And, mm -hmm. the, and the person over him's like, Oh man, they're going to see that you become all scrawny, and I'm going to get in trouble. He goes, oh, you let, Let's give me a give me a week here. Let's, let's just test this. Let me just see if uh, if this is true. And you know he looks great. And you know we see that Daniel wouldn't wouldn't he uh he wouldn't give in and mm -hmm. uh um i i heard a sermon on that by andy stanley and again not that andy stanley i i really admire him as a leader and there's a lot of things that um he and i wouldn't see eye to eye on theologically but he preached a sermon once i heard it called choosing to cheat and you know life is so full and, and you and you can't do it all who are you going to choose to cheat? Are you going to cheat God? Are you going to cheat something else? And and uh, it really had a, a deep impression on me. It's like, you know, I, I don't want to cheat God. I mean, if I if I can't do it all, I, I, I want to make sure that God gets his rightful spot. And so that's a long way to say Daniel 1. And mm -hmm. uh, Daniel 2, we find out Daniel is going to emerge as a dream interpreter. Mm -hmm. um, when the king uh, has this ridiculous, hey, who's going to interpret my dream? Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to tell you my dream. You got to tell me what it was. I mean, wow, <laughs> that's a double whammy right there. And if no one does, I'm going to kill all the wise people. And, you know, I love it because Daniel says, listen, those mysteries, only God can interpret these. I mean, there's no man can, but he's going to do it for me. And, uh, you know, he interprets the dream. And Daniel's got this thing where he does something amazing for the king. And they're different kings, Darius. Nebuchadnezzar, um, Belshazzar, whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there's different kings, and he's going to get promoted. Mm -hmm. It's like you got all this great stuff, and then he's going to be kind of forgotten, and then something's going to come up. He's going to be promoted and forgotten, and then you have uh, some of his buddies in chapter three: Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, where you love the fact that they they wouldn't bow. You know, they wouldn't uh, uh, you know bow down to an idol and they're thrown into the fiery furnace and the king's so angry he makes it what seven times hotter than it was supposed to be mm -hmm. and even those who lead him into the furnace die because it's so daggum hot and you know i love what shadrach meshach and abednego say listen our god's able to save us and and here's it and even if he doesn't we're not going to do it mm -hmm. and I, I love that i mean i think there's such katie has that painted it's in our family room even if he doesn't mm -hmm. it's just a reminder that our God is able, but you know what? If he chooses not to do it this time, I still have faith. And mm -hmm. I think that's ultimate faith right there. And mm -hmm. of course, they get thrown in the fire and the king says, wait a minute, I threw three and why do I see four? There's one that looks like the son of man. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what a, what a, what a great story that is. And it's, it's yeah, going so back good. to what they said before they were thrown into the furnace. Uh, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of the hand. O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Yeah. But even that, we will not do it. I, I love it. And then four, we got them interpreting more dreams. And, uh, uh, and, and five is, is a, 
a pagan king acting, uh, using all of the things out of the temple to party with, and, and a finger <laughs> appears on the wall, writing on the wall, which is a pretty interesting story. But six is one of the favorites is the lion's den. You know, mm -hmm. remember, it was Daniel's promoted so high, and everybody's so jealous that they were like, you know, hey, let's try to let's try to get some dirt on Daniel. Mm -hmm. And they did try to find dirt, and they're like, ah, we can't find anything. I love the fact that this is a, such a man of integrity. Is that <laughs> they can't find anything except if they can charge him with something to do with the law of his god. And so they're like, okay, well, he let's tell the king that no one else should be worshipped except for him for. 30 days mm -hmm. and uh you know daniel let's make sure daniel hears that well what does daniel do as soon as he hears it he goes and he opens up his window so everybody sees and does what he always does he's praying before to, to his god and so and the king is sad this is darius he's like oh darn it i like this daniel guy but they remind him hey this was your word this is that he broke it and uh you know he gets thrown into the lion's den but i love the fact that uh, early in the morning, the king couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. Early in the morning, hey Daniel, did your God, whom you love and fear, did he did he save you? And Daniel's like, yeah, King, live forever. Mm -hmm. and my 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 God did see. He shut up the mouths of these lions in here, and uh, he they took his accusers, and before they could reach the ground, <laughs> the the, the, the uh, lions were devouring them. And mm -hmm. it's pretty when, pretty when cool. they initially shut him in the den, it, I don't know if they were mocking him, but it says, Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. So it, I don't know if that was a charge or if it was like kind of mocking him like, You're toast. I think he was a charge because I, I think he regretted that, that he was going to lose Daniel. And then he did, it says he didn't sleep that night. So mm -hmm. I don't think... So then he, he runs out early in the morning and says, hey, were you saved? And, mm -hmm. and then the, then he's going to say, by the way, everybody should worship this God. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, what a what a knucklehead. But uh, <laughs> he had the right thing there. But you can see how much he's like, you know, you're going to be killed if you don't worship me. And yep. then, you know, everybody should be worshiping this. So mm -hmm. and then, as you mentioned, I think seven through 12, it gets it gets uh, some interesting details about some end times and, you know, who's going to be coming to power um, the Medes and the Greeks, and you know what? What? Uh, uh, how, how long certain uh, uh, reigns going to happen, and what's going to happen? And and you know, uh, really, to be honest with you, um, here um, I I, uh, <laughs> I I don't have much more to dive in there and say that God wins mm -hmm. and God is in control, and to be very careful that those who want to tell you exactly what it means, I mean, I, I tell you, people take. End time stuff is confusing, and, and there's a reason why it's apocalyptic uh, literature because it's 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 to give us hope, but it's it, it doesn't give us all the details. It's a mystery, and mm -hmm. you know, people who think they can unsolve all of the mystery of this, I'm very leery of. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know there's some specifics, and Daniel gives us some specifics of years and kingdoms, but um, I just hold all those things to know our God wins, mm -hmm. our God is in control. He's got a plan, and we go from there. So Well put, and it kind of makes sense as we our next book that we dive into in the New Testament will be Revelation, and it'll oh. be a lot of a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There'll I'm be sure, a lot of, for the next couple weeks. Indeed. Well, that's it, man. We covered a lot of ground. We did. We did cover a lot of ground. Ruby Ruby was a very good girl. So uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of. So, uh, uh, 
But anyway, yeah, which is which is great. So now we got December. We got one more month. Here yep, we 25 go. Twenty five days left in the left wow. in the plan. So we 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 got in the New Testament, John and Revelation. We're going to continue with Job, and then all sorts of little books in the Old oh, Testament yeah. that we're going to. These cover are called this the Minor month. Prophets. Yep. These are the Minor mm-hmm. Prophets. So we'll be picking up the Minor Prophets. Daniel's the last of the major prophets. So uh, we got Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Wow. And we'll do that all this month all in this month yeah and there's some interesting stories there i'm gonna tell you it's incredible so (laughs) hey great month it's gonna be exciting so hey thanks for journeying with us uh keep with us to the end here uh as we uh bring to a close the reading of god's word yahoo brooks yahoo see you guys sunday all right blessings everybody